0: Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message. We'll be at Pride Fest this Saturday, June 29th. Stop by and uh, see us at the booth. And then join us Sunday for a church service with brunch and mimosas. It'll be a good time. Hope to see you then. It's a common complaint from uh, restaurant servers that Sundays are the worst days. Why do y'all think that is? (laughs) Yeah. Why? That's so interesting, isn't it? A few years ago in St. Louis, a pastor wrote this on a receipt at a restaurant. I give God 10%. Why do you get 18? (laughs) You're the pastor, the Christian pastor.
1: Isn't
0: that crazy? She apologized for it after it went viral. (laughs) She felt bad about it after it went viral. Um... It's so interesting that Christians have that reputation of being kind of stingy and not generous. When you look at the early church, we have record of how the church interacted with one another, and it was a complete opposite picture. This is from Acts. The believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to community, to shared meals and prayers, and a sense of awe came over everyone, and many wonders and signs happening, and all of the believers were united and shared everything. And they would sell pieces of property and possessions and distribute the proceeds to everyone who needed them. And every day they met together in the temple and ate in their homes, and they shared food with gladness and simplicity, and they praised God and demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. And the Lord added daily to the community those who were being saved. They were of one heart and one mind. And I love this. None of them would say, this is mine. It totally makes me think of a toddler that we used to babysit that always take his toys and say, mine. Oh, you've, been, you've experienced that before? In the early church, no one said, this is mine. ...about any of their possessions, but held everything in common. And the apostles continued to bear powerful witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Grace was at work among them all, and there were no needy persons among them. So those who owned properties or houses would sell them, bring the proceeds under the sales from the sales, and place them in the care and under the authority of the apostles. And then it was distributed to anyone in need. Joseph... This guy uh, named Barnabas owned a field, sold it, bought the money, brought the money and placed it in the care under the authority of the apostles. The message of this sermon today is to go sell your home and everything you own and (laughs) give the money to mission gathering. (laughs) That is not the message today. But there is such an an attitude in the early church, a recognition um, that when other people in our community are in need, We should do something about it. And it inspired them for those who had abundance and had enough to give to people in the community who didn't have enough. There was a a realization in the first church that Christ taught them unity, that all people are equal. And so they realized when they were living together that if some of us did not have a house or did not have food, Then we can't call ourselves equal. When some of us are hurting and in need and hungry. And others of us have way too much. So let's share and make it so what Christ taught everyone is equal. Everyone has what they need. They were trying to live out the teaching of Jesus. Love your neighbor as yourself. And they did a really good job of it. And they missed the mark sometimes. You'll read in Acts. But that was their goal. And it inspired them to sell property so they could take care of the people in their community. Jesus completely changed people's view of God, completely changed people's view of God. They realized, people, for the first time that God is generous, that God um, values and seeks the unity of all humankind, and that God values diversity, which is what we saw on Pentecost. And that people realized for the first time that salvation, which is this churchy word for um, freedom and wholeness. That salvation, wholeness, was something that was universal for all people, all religions, all cultures all over the world. This was like a new idea for the early church. And so when they realized this about God, it inspired them. When they realized God is generous, a God who is generous and not needy and stingy, then we need to be uh, generous and not stingy. They realize that wholeness and healing, salvation is for all people. We need to offer that wholeness and healing to all people that we come in contact with and all people in our community. Paul, in one of his letters, oh, we have birds. <laughs> so peaceful. They're not right above me. Are they? No, You're going to poop on my head. That's... <laughs> it's funny. Paul wrote a letter to the church in Corinth. When one suffers, all suffer. When one rejoices, all rejoices. When one person in our family and our community is hurting, all of us are hurting. That message drove the early church. It's a good example for us. The early church recognized that all life is connected, all life in the world is connected. When you hurt, I hurt. Nobody gets to where they are by themselves. There was no every man for himself in the early church. We were all responsible for helping each other. There was a study that came out a couple years ago by Kaiser Family Foundation, and it revealed that Christians were more than twice as likely to blame a person's poverty on lack of effort. Christians are more than twice as likely as non-Christians to see someone who is poor and say, well, that's their fault. That's changed since the early church. Why is that? Why do we see poverty as something that's uh, a responsibility of one person who is in poverty? Uh, There have been a lot of of preachers throughout Christian history that have made the claim that poverty is a result of sin in your life. (laughs) So... That idea has built over the years, um, and it's not biblical. Jesus actually taught against that. Jesus said the kingdom of God belongs to those who are poor in poverty. Uh, And the early church was going back to that truth. We value those who are poor because it's, it's not as simple and black and white as you are poor because you choose to be or because you're lazy. That view, in my opinion, is immoral. In the early church did not hold that view. They helped each other. They took care of one another. There's an ancient parable called the Allegory of the Long Spoons. It's about a person who is granted access to heaven and hell. And when they go to hell, they see people around a table with food in the middle. But the only way they have to eat their food are spoons that are so incredibly long that when they dip it in the food, they can't reach it to their mouth and I want to show you a clip it's a little bit on the creepy side (laughs) but it's a really cool animation of this story great picture of the early church. and That is a picture of what the church is supposed to be today. That is what we are supposed to do today. And so in this allegory, this ancient story, when the person visits heaven, they see the same setup, but the people are feeding the person across the table. The person across the table is feeding them. We're all connected. We all succeed in life because of others. We all get to where we're at because others have helped us get there. That's not some new spiritual Christian religious idea. You all ever read that Dale Carnegie book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, it came out in like the 30s? He says in that book, if you want to get ahead in business, help the people around you get ahead. And there are other business strategies from people throughout history that have said you get ahead by stepping on the people around you to get to the top, by crushing everyone else, by beating the competition. Dale Carnegie, the Christian philosophy is that you help people around you get ahead first, and then you'll naturally come up. To be a part of the church, of of, of followers of Jesus, to be a part of mission gathering is to acknowledge that we're all connected, that when, when one life is hurting, we're all hurting. And the early church developed a reputation for this from people outside the church. And see, are some quotes. Tertu- Tertullian lived around 8200 and uh, wrote a lot about early church. He said, it is mainly the deeds of a love so noble that lead many to put a brand upon us. And he quotes them. And see, they say, how they love one another. One in mind and soul, we do not hesitate to share our earthly goods with one another. All these things are common among us but our wives. (laughs) They shared everything that they had except their wives. Keep your wives to yourself. Justin Martyr lived around AD 150 during the time of the early church. He said, we who formerly treasured money and possessions more than anything else now hand over everything we have to a treasury for all and share it with everyone who needs it. We who formerly hated and murdered one another now live together and share the same table. We pray for our enemies and try to win those who hate us. It's, what a picture of what we should be like today. The sharing generosity thing isn't a New, New Testament Jesus idea. It was found way before that in uh, the early churches, Old Testament Bibles. Proverbs, a gen- generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Get what you give. Proverbs 22, those who close their ears to the cries of the poor will themselves call out but receive no answer. Happy or generous people because they give some of their food to the poor. In Deuteronomy, if there are some poor persons among you, say one of your fellow Israelites in another city Don't be hard-hearted and tight-fisted toward your poor fellow Israelites. To the contrary, open your hand wide to them. You must generously lend them whatever they need. How do we become... It almost sounds like karma, doesn't it? You get what you give. Is that a heretical thing for me to say? Maybe that is built into the foundation of the universe, of how God made things. You get what you give. Somehow mysteriously, mystically, all tied together. So, how do we become more generous? How do we actually live lives of generosity where we're giving, giving, giving? I think generosity is a result of gratitude. I think it starts with gratitude. You cannot be envious and have a heart of gratitude at the same time. You can't compare your life to someone else's life and want their life, and have a heart of gratitude at the same time. So how do we do that? I think perspective helps. Do you know that if you make around $32,000 a year, you're in the top 1% of earners in the whole world? Compared to the rest of the world, even those who are close to poverty in America have a lot of abundance. Maybe things aren't so bad. The average person in India has a wealth of maybe $7,000. In Africa, $4,000. We're, we're doing okay here. We have a lot to be grateful for. Sean Archer was a researcher at Harvard And he cites a study that looked at a group of people who spent five minutes a day writing down three things that they were grateful for. And he studied their well-being. And they didn't have to be big things that they were grateful for. One person said, I'm thankful for the delicious takeout Thai dinner last night. I love this picture of this little girl who was listed in a paper of kids who (laughs) wrote what they were thankful for. I'm thankful for my family, God, and Miss Clary. In the middle, I'm thankful for all the dead people because at least they tried. (laughs) Find something to be thankful for. So in this study, they followed these people who were five minutes, three things they were grateful for every day. And at the end of the month, they followed up and found that those who practiced gratitude, even even if they stopped after a week, were happier and less depressed than the group who didn't. And they followed this group six months later and they found that they were still happier and less depressed than those who had not spent five minutes a day thinking about gratitude, things that they were grateful for. Gratitude is powerful. It's a powerful, powerful effect on us. They figured that expressing gratitude for three things every day, even when they stopped after a while, they were happier. They, they, they figured that doing that somehow jump started something in to be more aware of things throughout their day they were grateful for how would our lives look different if we spent five minutes a day just writing down three things I'm grateful for yes we should be grateful and Paul says in Philippians give thanks in everything it's easier said than done especially when you feel like life is a living hell It's hard to be grateful. Um, But March of 1944, Germany occupied Hungary. And Elie Wiesel was 15 when he and the rest of the Jewish population were put in prison camps. And in May, a few months later, they were deported to Auschwitz, where 90% of the people who arrived there were murdered upon arrival. This is a picture of Elie. He is right there kind of in the middle in the middle bunk his mother and and younger sister were murdered when they got there and uh, he and his father were sent to manual labor and the way it went was you did manual labor until your body couldn't do it anymore and then they would um, put you in the gas chamber Um, the US liberated the camp in April 1945 but Ellie's father had already died. and He actually um, could hear his father cry out and scream when the Nazis um, beat him to death. Ellie survived all of that, and he died just three years ago in 2016. And he wrote a great, great book, powerful book um, I would recommend. And he had an interview a few years ago with Oprah, And Oprah asked him, despite all the tragedy you've witnessed, do you still have a place inside you for gratefulness of everything that you have witnessed and seen? And this was his response. Absolutely. Right after the war, I went around telling people, thank you just for living, for being human. And To this day, the words that come most frequently from my lips are thank you. When a person doesn't have gratitude, something is missing in his or her humanity. A person can almost be defined by his or her attitude toward gratitude. And Oprah asked him, Does having seen the worst of humanity make you more grateful for ordinary occurrences? He said, For me, every hour is grace. I feel gratitude in my heart each time I can meet someone and look at his or her smile. I wish I had his outlook to everything that he's been to. What has carried him through is his ability to be grateful every hour. Grateful for the breath in my lungs. Grateful for the person right in front of me that I'm looking at. Grateful. David Steinelrass is a Benedictine Christian monk. He said, Everything is a gift. The degree to which we are awake to this truth is a measure of our gratefulness. And gratefulness is a measure of our aliveness. To be grateful is to be fully human, to be grateful is to be fully alive. To express gratitude is somehow mysteriously to express the very heart of God. And gratitude is what leads to generosity. Gratitude says, I'm grateful for what I have, so I don't hold on too tight to what I have. And when I'm grateful for what I have, when I see someone who doesn't have that, gratitude leads to a heart of, I want to help them get there. I want to give them what they need. And somebody has a heart that is not generous, that is not giving, that is not loving. Sometimes what wakes them up to that is to recognize all that we have to be grateful for, thankful for in our life, our world. And letter to Timothy, tell them to do good to the early church, to you all. <laughs> do good, be rich in the good things they do. Be generous and share with others. Jesus says in Luke 6, I love this passage. Don't pick on people, jump on their failures, criticize their faults, unless, of course, you want the same treatment. Don't condemn those who are down. Gosh, a church has done that. God. If... Preachers would just follow the words of Jesus. <laughs> a novel idea. Don't condemn those who are down. We'll come right back at you. It says, Be easy on people and you'll find life a lot easier. Give away your life and you'll find life given back. And not merely given back, but given back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting, is the way. The way of Jesus. Generosity begets generosity. Gratitude affects how we treat people, and in turn, it affects how we're treated. Gratitude leads to generosity. You get what you give. And gratitude takes humility to acknowledge, to be grateful for something. It takes some humility to say, I'm thankful for the people throughout my life that have uh, made me who I am. I didn't get to where I'm at because I was all alone. And did it myself. There were people in my life around me, situations who helped get me here. It takes humility to acknowledge and be grateful for that. 1997, Mr. Rogers received the Lifetime Achievement Award, and his acceptance speech gave us a great example of this humility that leads to gratitude.
1: For telling them again and again and again that they are special and that they have worth It is my honor on behalf of everyone here and on behalf of millions of children whose mornings you have brightened with your kindness to present you this lifetime achievement. So many people have helped me come to this night. Some of you are here, some are far away, some are even in heaven. All of us have special ones who have loved us into being. Would you just take, along with me, 10 seconds to think of the people who have helped you become who you are? Those who have cared about you and wanted what was best for you in life. Ten seconds of silence. I'll watch the time. Whomever you've been thinking about how pleased they must be to know the difference you feel they've made. You know, they're the kind of people television does well to offer our world. Special thanks to my family and friends and to my co-workers in public broadcasting, family communications, and this academy for encouraging me, allowing me, all these years to be your neighbor.
0: He got millions of people watching to express an attitude of Jesus of gratitude. He got millions and millions of people watching that um, award show, to take a moment and realize I didn't get here alone. There are people who have loved me into being. Gosh, that's powerful. Who is that for you? Who are those people? Maybe they're here. Mine's here. Thank you. This is Jesse the macaw. Jesse the macaw got stuck on a roof in London, and a resident called the animal welfare agency, and the workers climbed the ladder of the roof to rescue Jesse. And this was the greeting that Jesse gave. And I can't say it because there are are children present. (laughs) Jesse the macaw said F off to the rescue workers. Jesse's owner felt so bad that he recorded a video of the macaw saying thank you to the workers and posted it on Twitter. And it went viral. The message of this story it's never too late to say thank you. Never too late to say thank you. So I challenge you all this week. Think of the people who have loved you into being. Tell them. That. Somehow say thank you. And if uh, maybe for whatever reason you can't or are unable to tell them, think on it. Think on it. Say, thank you. Meister Eckhart said, if the only prayer you say is thank you, that will set us. Because gratitude is such a foundational attitude that leads to love, to peace, to joy, to hope. It starts with a thank you. If, if, you know, if you've ever been asked to pray in public, most people just freeze and say, no one no way in hell I'm praying in public most powerful prayer you can give thank you just say thank you for anything thank you is the starting point to humility to recognizing the needs of others to generosity And the early church oh, they had it they realized there was so much to be grateful for We are all connected to one another. So let's help each other. And uh, Issaquah Food and Clothing Bank has asked us for help, for some generosity. So on July 11th, from 3 to 5 p.m., we're going to help the Food and Clothing Bank with some of their um, stuff that they need help with. And uh, I know it's work hours for a lot of people. So we're going to have another day in August. It'll be a Monday or Wednesday evening. And I'm going to be asking all of you, give you a couple options, and we'll find the one that works best for everyone. And if you can't be there at 4, Kyle said, just show up whenever you get off work and and jump in and help. Um, So we want to be, as a church, generous with our time and our resources and our money. To help each other, to help our community. And that's how God's kingdom comes into this world. So to create a church community that looked like the, the first one, that shares uh, the generosity, it starts with gratitude. And I love that communion, the Lord's Supper, is also called Eucharist. Eucharist comes from a Greek word, means thank you. The Lord's Supper, communion, is an act of gratitude, It's an act of recognizing all that God has done for us, all God did uh, through Jesus. And so when we take communion, we are together as one expressing gratitude, saying thank you. So when we take communion today, think of those people in your life that you have loved you into being, as Mr. Rogers said. Think of the things, moments, situations in your life for which you are grateful. And as you take communion, say thank you. And you go back to your seat, you can do the Mr. Rogers said. Just think on those people for a few minutes. And we do have some mochi for those who are gluten free. generous God. God is a loving God. God is one who gives. this food and drink is for you. God, today we say thank you. Thank you for the breath in our lungs. Thank you for the people in our lives who have stayed with us, who have been a support and encouragement, a source of love, who have taught us gratitude and generosity. May our gratitude as a church lead to powerful expressions of love and generosity in our relationships, in our friendships, in our community, in our places of work. Teach us how to love well, how to uh, express gratitude well. We are when we are feeling down, depressed, lonely, alone, give us the strength to say thank you, to find something and someone for which to be grateful. In Christ's name, we say thanks and amen. See you next week for brunch and mimosas.